Thanks for joining in on another episode of Cast the Word. This is part two of our Getting Over It series, and today we're going to talk about anger. Thank you all so much for joining in today, and I hope each of you are doing well. Last week, we started our new series, Getting Over It, and we talked about addiction. If you missed that episode, then feel free to go back and check it out. And we're moving our way through common struggles that people face in life, and we're offering some biblical advice by discussing what the Bible has to say to help us get over these issues with the Lord's help. And our topic today is on anger, which I'd admit is probably one of the most common issues that people face in comparison to the other nine episodes that we're going to be discussing in this series. And I think it's something we can all relate to in differing degrees. Everyone at some point in their life has probably felt a certain level of anger. And being a human being with emotions, that is reasonable and understandable. It's likely that at some point in your life, someone has upset you or some certain action has taken place in your life that has caused you to be angry. Now, to be clear, anger in and of itself is not a sin. In fact, when Jesus walked this earth, he too became angry at times. It's not necessarily the feeling of disappointment or anger that is a sin, but rather how you respond and what you do with that anger that often leads us to trip and to sin. And this episode is not going to be focusing on giving advice on how to never be angry again, because that is just simply unrealistic. Instead, our focus in this episode is going to be discussing Scripture and hopefully gaining some deeper understanding about anger and how to not let anger cripple us in our relationships, our communications, and ultimately cause us to sin against God. That's our focus in this episode today. But before we get started in today's episode, I just wanted to say that if you are a new listener, thank you for joining today. If you're a returning listener, thank you for coming back. If you'd like to be included in our newsletter and become a member of this community, then please visit casttheword.com and scroll to the very bottom of that page and enter in your email address. Last month, we started to distribute a monthly newsletter that our partners receive, and by subscribing, you will also be included in our communications regarding new episodes, new series, blog posts, and all of that. So be sure to visit and subscribe there if you want to be included in those communications. And also, if you're on social media, we're on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. You can find us by searching for Cast the Word and follow us there as well. Okay, so let's get started in today's topic. I said earlier that anger is an emotion that most, if not probably all of us, can relate to. We can all relate to it, but what separates us from one another and the differences between us is how quickly we become angry, how we react to the emotion, and what we do to get over the anger. That's what separates us. We can all probably relate to the fact that we've been angry at times, but those topics there is what separates us from one another. It's usually in these areas where sin enters in as well. In regards to how quickly we become angry, how we react to that anger, sometimes that's where sin can creep in. Now, to be clear, there's nothing wrong with being emotional. Anger is an emotion. And I don't believe that there's anything wrong with being angry. I said it earlier, anger itself is not a sin. To say for us to not be emotional would be like telling us not to be human. The problem is what we do with that emotion and whether or not we let that emotion control us. There's even sometimes where 
anger can be appropriate, which we'll talk a little bit about that in this episode. But there's nothing wrong with being emotional. But but being led by your emotions is what leads us to problems. So we just want to clarify that a little bit there. When it comes to anger, the root of our weapon is usually in the tongue. Now, I recognize that anger is often the root of issues pertaining to abuse as well and things of that nature, but and, and that's a huge problem, of course, but for the purpose of this episode, we're going to be discussing kind of more milder terms of anger, I guess you could say, or anger that includes short tempers and sin that may come by the way of the tongue fueled by anger. So that's going to be our focus in today's episode, but... Before we go down that path, let's just talk, I I mentioned it just a second ago, but let's talk about appropriate anger or righteous anger. I found an article online that spoke to righteous anger, and I believe uh, it's from Christianity.com, if I remember correctly, and I really like the way it described righteous anger. So I have some notes here I want to read to you. I'm going to paraphrase and kind of add a little bit of my thoughts to this article as well, but it says, Righteous anger is expressed when we are confronted with the sins outlined in the Bible. Christ gets angry at sin as well, and we read about some of those examples in the Gospels, Matthew 21 and 23 and Mark 3 for just a few examples there. The article goes on to say that Jesus is perfectly righteous and holy and cannot endure the presence of transgression without responding in wrath because his his anger is always righteous. Leviticus chapter 10 and Romans chapter 1 there. James also gives us excellent instructions on when it comes to righteous indignation in James chapter 1 verses 19 through 20. And those verses say this, My dear brothers and sisters, take note of this. Everyone should be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to become angry, because human anger does not produce the righteousness that God desires. The Apostle Peter echoes this advice as well, especially for times when we face confrontations and uh, issues you know, that, that the world may throw at us in 1 Peter chapter 3. There are a few, few verses in that chapter. I'm going to read starting in verse 9. So while the world ratchets up its content and cruelty, especially toward disciples of the Lord Jesus Christ, we are called not to return evil for evil or insult for insult, and said we're to love our enemies and pray for those who launch attacks against us. Man, that's hard to do, isn't it? When you have people uh, throwing evil and throwing insult toward you, the Bible instructs us to pray for our enemies. And that's hard to do, especially when we're in the heat of the moment. Continuing that chapter, verses 14 through 17, it says, But even if you should suffer for what is right, you are blessed. Do not fear their threats. Do not be frightened. But in your hearts, revere Christ as Lord. Always be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks you to give the reason for the hope that you have. But do this with gentleness and respect, keeping a clear conscience, so that those who speak maliciously against your good behavior in Christ may be ashamed for their slander. For it is better if it is God's will to suffer for doing good than for doing evil. Christians can also channel righteous anger into organizations that com- that combat the influence of evil in society. Our outrage as Christians should lead to bringing others into a loving w- relationship with Christ. This article outlines the fact that it's appropriate for us to hate what God hates, and God hates sin. That is biblically appropriate anger, righteous anger. We see it again in Proverbs chapter 8. 
All who fear the Lord will hate evil. All who fear the Lord will hate evil. Therefore I hate pride and arrogance, corruption, and perverse speech. God's a holy God, and sin cannot enter into His presence. Sin is the destruction of mankind, and God hates it. And this righteous anger helps us to stay in line with the Word of God. The more we stay in line with the Bible, the more we hear the heart of the King speak through those pages. And the more we understand who God is and what He stands for, then the more in line our spirits can be with the Word and hate what is evil according to God's standards, not according to man's standards, but according to what the Word of God has to say about what sin is and what evil is. So that's a brief overview overview of righteous anger, and the best thing to do about righteous anger as it relates to people is to love them and pray for them. When the world is spewing anger and hate toward you, James teaches us not to trade insult for insult. We didn't read this, but if you continue reading in in the book of James, he talks a lot about the power of the tongue. And when we're in that type of environment, spewing insults back to people is not the right way to handle that anger. In fact, as a Christian, it hinders and maybe even debilitates your ability to witness to that person. Instead, we should channel that anger we may feel about that situation or about that person through prayer and instead offer the world love just as Christ has offered you love. Which leads us to our next point, which is responding to anger. Now, this section may be a little easier said than done because it's easy to say these things when you're not in the heat of the moment. And it's also difficult to remember and put to practice these things when you are in the heat of the moment. But that is where we need to pray for the Holy Spirit to help us when we are in the middle of the battle to remember to stay calm, cool, and collected. I believe if we are sincere with these prayers and have a desire to do better when we are presented with situations that may cause us to act out of anger, I believe that God will help us through the situation if we are sincere with the prayer for God to help us when we're faced with that. If you have a short temper, you know, if you have a uh, uh, the ability to kind of get hot pretty fast, then maybe that's something you might want to focus on in your prayer life. God, help me overcome that. Help me get over it. Help me to respond the way you want me to respond, Lord. Put your words in my mouth when I'm faced with those trialing situations that may cause me to be angry, and help me to not sin. And the reason is because giving into anger only leads to sin and problems. Psalms 37 verse 8 says, don't give in to worry or anger. It only leads to trouble. Nothing good will come of us giving in to anger which is why we must consider how we respond. We must keep our tempers under control. If you're anything like me, then you've probably had a situation in the past where you're in the heat of the moment, maybe in an argument, and maybe you said something really stupid. I know I've done that before. I'm sure you can probably relate as well. Later on, when my hot head has cooled off a bit, maybe I realized that what I said earlier was pretty stupid. And I just said it because I was angry. Oftentimes when we speak out of anger, we may not even mean what we're saying. We may just say it to fight back in the middle of the moment. We're just so upset that maybe we exaggerate the truth or maybe even bend the truth to our favor 
in an effort to win an argument or come out on top. Responding to anger in this way leads to communication issues, especially when you're in the middle of an argument. It can also damage your relationships. Have you ever been in an argument and, like I said earlier, you say something really stupid? Think about it for a second. Have you been in that situation in your past? The other person may forgive you for what you said, especially if you seek reconciliation, but it's very hard to forget it, isn't it? And that's why we must not give in to anger. When someone says something to you that really fires you up, then take a deep breath and say a quick prayer before you let that anger settle in. Take control of it immediately, or else the longer it seeps in, the harder it's going to be to overcome it. We are emotional beings, and we need God's help to help keep us in check so we're not controlled by our emotions. Again, it's easier to preach and teach, but harder to put into practice, especially when you're in the moment. But it's biblical. Ecclesiastes 7 verse 9 says, Keep your temper under control. It is foolish to harbor a grudge. Not only should we try to control how we respond when we're angry by keeping our temper under control, but especially in relationships, we've got to learn to let things go. It's foolish to harbor a grudge. Ecclesiastes says, If your spouse says something in the middle of an argument, when you reconcile, let it go. Don't hold that thing over their head. You know, true forgiveness is letting it go. When God forgives you for your sins, does he come back and remind you a couple weeks ago, remember when you said that to me? Remember when you did that? No, when he, when he forgives you, he throws it into the sea of forgetfulness. It's a brand new day. Man, we've got to learn to try to do that in our relationships. You can't say you forgive somebody and then continue holding it over their head. That's not true forgiveness in my opinion. Is it going to be hard to forget what that person said? Absolutely. But if you tell that person, I forgive you, you've got to let it go. You can't hold that thing, hold that comment over that person's head for the rest of their lives. It's not fair. It's not fair to that person who may have really not meant it and really genuinely sought forgiveness from you. And it's not fair for your own mental health either and your own spiritual health. When Ecclesiastes 7 verse 9 says it's foolish to harbor a grudge, we've got to let it go. And that, you know, I I mentioned a lot about, um, you know, relationships and kind of gearing towards marital or boyfriend-girlfriend relationships, but really the same principle applies to any relationship, friendships, co-workers, what, what have you. We should not hold grudges because not only can it impact our mental health, like I said, but it's exhausting. And you find yourself, when you think about that person, only thinking about that one thing. Christ has forgiven you for your mistakes. We should extend that courtesy to those around us. Another way to consider how we respond to anger is in how we verbally respond in contentious situations. Proverbs 15 verse 1, a soft answer turns away wrath, but a harsh word stirs up anger. This is another example of what we were just discussing, keeping your temper under control and avoid using harsh language that can cause more damage than good. This also teaches us to learn how to just sometimes stay quiet. If someone is confronting you and they're angry, this can easily cause us to be angry as well and maybe want to rise up and maybe defend ourselves or defend the situation or 
whatever whatever it may be. Maybe we just want to add our two cents in because we think maybe our opinion's more important than theirs. I don't know. But we've all been in that situation. We want to rise up and kind of go to battle. And, and that's a understandable emotion. But sometimes it's better to not fight back. Maybe it's better to pick your battles and know when to speak and when to be quiet. And know when to provide a soft answer instead of a harsh word. Because you know a harsh word's only going to stir up that anger more. That's biblical. We just read the verse. Maybe sometimes we need to learn to not respond to that Facebook comment. To not go back at someone on Twitter when they tweet something that contradicts your line of thinking. Think about politics, for example. Man, that's a contentious subject right now, isn't it? Maybe it's better to stay off of social media and try to remind the world and persuade the world to come over to your side of your political beliefs. Let me tell you something. In this divided world we live in right now, chances are you're not going to change anybody's opinion. (laughs) And uh, Facebook is so difficult to avoid those comments. You see them every time you pull up your news feed. Twitter is the same way. Any social media for that matter. And you got to think to yourself, before I press enter on this comment that I'm about to respond to, a friend of mine that made a real stupid political post, is it going to help anything? Am I going to change their opinion? Are they going to read my comment and say, wow, you're absolutely right. What was I thinking? Chances are that's not going to happen. And ultimately, you need to think, is what I'm about to say going to be a negative perception or is someone going to have a negative perspective on my witness and my Christianity? Is what I'm about to say in this Facebook uh, comment or this post going to hinder my ability to witness and to testify to other people about the glory of God? Are they going to see what I'm thinking and or see what I'm saying and think maybe, wow, what a hypocrite or who do they think they are? You know, I mean, it's just so damaging sometimes to our ability to witness to other people. Now, I'm not advocating we not be on Facebook or anything like that. I hope you understand my my mind and my heart here. We just find ourselves so many times on social media and the internet. The internet's such a great tool. We're, we wouldn't be able to do this podcast if it weren't for the internet. But man, the internet also can be such a trap for trolling, internet trolls, and the ability to stir up anger because people hide behind their keyboard and think that making a comment is going to really impact, you know, um, impact somebody. But we just got to be careful with that. We got to be cautious not to give into our anger, but instead pray for God to help you maintain the cool-tempered responses and to not fire back harshly. Ephesians 4.26 says, If you become angry, do not let your anger lead you into sin. That's what we've been talking about this whole episode. And do not stay angry all day. That's a good one for marriages right there. In marriages, we must learn to not let the sun go down on our anger. Respond to anger by getting over it quickly. Moving to reconciliation quickly. Refusing to stay angry all day. Don't let it eat you up inside. I want to read two more verses before moving on to the last point. Ephesians 4.31, get rid of all bitterness, passion, and anger. No more shouting or insults. No more hateful feelings of any sort. 
2 Timothy 2, verses 23-25. But keep away from foolish and ignorant arguments. You know that they end up in quarrels. As the Lord's servant, you must not quarrel. You must be kind toward all, a good and patient teacher, who is gentle as you correct your opponents, for it may be that God will give them the opportunity to repent and come to know the truth. That's what I was referring to earlier. When we surround ourselves with other people, we can pick up on their mannerisms. We can let that um, spirit kind of come on us. We can tap into that negativity and join them with the with the anger and with the argument and, and all of that, which leads us to our last point, controlling your environment. Your environment, the people you run with, can either help you manage your anger or it can help you give in to your anger. Now, notice how your environment is coming up again in this episode. If you checked out our last episode, then you know that we talked about this as well in regards to overcoming addictions or getting over addictions. Proverbs 22, verse 24, Do not make friends with a hot-tempered person. Do not associate with one easily angered. Have you ever heard the saying, Tell me who your friends are, and I'll tell you who you are? There's truth to that statement. Proverbs 14, 17, People with a hot temper do foolish things. Wiser people remain calm. A hot-tempered person starts fights. A cold-tempered person stops them. And that's Proverbs 15, verse 18. I'm a full believer that anger is an infectious and contagious spirit. If you are around someone all the time that's hot-tempered, angry, and always points the negative out, then I believe that's going to transfer to you. I believe it is a spirit that is incredibly contagious. I had a mentor once tell me to consider how negativity around you can impact your own personal life. And he tried to paint a picture and, and explain it like this. Imagine holding a bottle of water. Now, if someone came by with a syringe and dropped just a small amount of sewage into that water bottle, would you still drink it? The answer to that's probably no, right? The same is said for a negative attitude in your surrounding. Just that one drop of sewage ruins the entire bottle. It's just a drop, but you know when that hits the water, it's going to spread, and you don't want to drink that, right? It's like a cancer that spreads through the entire bottle, destroying the purity and the cleanliness. And the same can be said for negative and hot-tempered people you may run with. This environment can ruin your mental health and can damage your spiritual growth as well. Because that type of attitude is not a biblical spirit. It's not a godly spirit. Now there's a difference between having a bad day and having this type of attitude consistently. We all have had our bad days where maybe we've been really down in the dumps and maybe bring some other people down with us. I don't know. But that's not what I'm talking about here. I'm talking about consistently, consistently having that hot temper, that being a a part, a brand of your personality. We've quoted so many scriptures today about the importance of, of striving to stay clear from anger and understanding how to respond to it when it does come up. And there's a reason for that, because anger can be detrimental to your spiritual health. Proverbs 14.29, those who control their anger have great understanding. Those with a hasty temper will make mistakes. Not may make mistakes, will make mistakes. We must work and strive to put our emotions into control. If you struggle with patience, then maybe we need to pray for more patience. If you struggle with a temper, 
then maybe we need to pray for God to give you a longer fuse. Folks that struggle struggle with anger often make mistakes. That's what the Bible says. When you are controlled by your emotions, then the only guarantee is that you're going to make a mistake. There's nothing wrong with being emotional, but there is something wrong with being led by your emotions. Friends, I hope you've enjoyed part two of our Getting Over It series. If you want to stay connected again with this podcast ministry, then find us on social media. We're on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Subscribe to our website at castleword.com. We're not going to bombard you with emails or anything like that. We're just going to keep you included on the things happening in this podcast, the behind-the-scenes look of, of some things, maybe. You're going to be included on a monthly newsletter, and you're going to be included on notification emails when new episodes are published, as well as emails when a blog is published. We're not too active on our blog. I wish we could. We were a little bit more active, but we have a few blog posts out there. If you are a blog reader, then feel free to visit us, castleword.com, and check them out. I want to leave you with this before we leave today. Colossians 3, verse 8, and Colossians 3, verse 15. But now is the time to get rid of anger, rage, malicious behavior, slander, and dirty language. And let the peace that comes from Christ rule in your hearts. For as members of one body, you are called to live in peace and always be thankful. Stay strong in the faith, and I look forward to talking to you next time. Thank you.